Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. And we join now by Nadir Token, analyst at 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your listeners. Nadir, let's start by taking a look at those uh, those not so great U.S. job market um, uh, job numbers that came out on Friday. Yes, Sakina. I mean, so the top line number was fairly disappointing. Um, you know, we've seen it consistently above 200,000 jobs being added in the U.S. Um, you know, for at least the last 18 months or so. I mean, this number came in. Way below that at 151,000 jobs added for the month of January. Um, but I think, you know, more encouragingly for the Federal Reserve and for the U.S. economy is that uh, there was actually some, uh, some significant wage inflation, or let me rather say some, in, uh, some expectation-beating wage inflation numbers which came out, you know. So wage uh, growth came in at, about, at around 2.6% uh, year-on-year when it was expected to come in at 2.2% increases in wages year-on-year. So, um, you know, I think... That that will be a positive sign because, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about, yes, the jobs numbers are there. Yes, the unemployment rate in the U.S. is declining, um, you know, but it's just been added at the, at the lower end of the market. And that's why we're seeing um, U.S. consumption not picking up to the extent that it should, you know, despite the fact that oil prices are at, um, you know, lows, uh, or 12 or 13-year lows, um, we're still not seeing that being converted into uh, increased consumption uh, by the U.S. consumers, given the savings that they having at the pump and that's really because um, you know there's been a, a lot of jobs being added at the lower end of the market and consequently um, it hasn't translated into uh, increased uh, or significantly higher consumption but you know the fact that uh, wage inflation came in uh, above expectations and well above the current inflation rate in fact more than double the current inflation rate um, you know hopefully that will be a positive sign for the US economy moving forward but I think that really leaves the Federal Reserve in a bit of a bind now because uh, you know, they have begun increasing interest rates and uh, they had to be, they were forced to put on hold, um, you know, at the January meeting because of all the volatility in global markets, you know, and they didn't want to sort of uh, further exacerbate the problem of global volatility. And uh, we seem to be continuing along this volatile trend, you know, where uh, stock market movements and risk asset movements are fairly big um, on a day-to-day basis, depending where risk sentiment is and depending, uh, you know, what data is coming out of China and the rest of the world. Uh, You know, that continues to be the pattern uh, for the recent past, Sakina. So the Federal Reserve remains in this bind where despite the fact that they're starting to see wage inflation, despite the fact that the unemployment Employment rate has now dipped below 5%, coming in at 4.9% with the jobs added uh, in January. Despite all these facts, the Federal Reserve's hands are still, they are, are still tied to a certain extent, given all the increased volatility. And the fact that the U.S. economy only grew at 0.7% uh, in the fourth quarter means that, you know, perhaps the economic picture is not that bright, despite all the jobs being added. You know, we still have to see it translate into a hard economic data, which is better, increased consumption, increased inflation and that doesn't seem to be happening and I think the low oil price has a significant degree to do with that uh, with the low inflation but ultimately it has to translate into higher consumption before the Federal Reserve can resume on its interest rate increasing path particularly given uh, you know how volatile global markets are and particularly given uh, the precarious state that China's economic growth finds itself in growing at its slowest pace since 1990. And speaking of China, um, there's also an interesting story there with the shrinking Chinese foreign reserves, Nadir. Why is this happening? 
So, Sakina, what's happened is that, you know, over the course of the last two months, so if we look at December and January, uh, Chinese foreign reserves shrunk by almost $220 billion. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a staggering number. Although they still, in absolute terms, have a large amount of re- reserves at just over $3.2 trillion. Um, you know, I think what's happened over the last couple of months is that, obviously, with the slowing growth out of China, the continuous PMI numbers coming in below 50, um, overwhelming evidence that the Chinese economy is slowing quite drastically, in fact, uh, growing at the slowest pace since 1990, as I just mentioned, and a significant decline in their trade volume, be it imports or exports, Sakina. Um, you know, there's been quite a knock to investor confidence or global uh, confidence towards the Chinese economy, and, uh, you know, we've seen uh, the outflows from the Chinese economy or foreign outflows from the Chinese economy at quite a prolific rate. It seems to be the emerging market scene for the last six months or so, doesn't it, Sakina, where uh, foreign seem to be bailing on emerging markets and uh, repatriating their assets back towards mm. safe haven assets, be it the US dollar, be it the Swiss franc, or the Japanese yen, and that's why we see those bond yields remaining so depressed. So the bottom line here is that China has had to shore up their currency because of the extent to which uh, they've seen foreign outflows from the economy that had to shore up the renminbi, and uh, in doing that, they've had to sell a lot of dollars to keep the peg of the renminbi, um, you know, within their band, which they have targeted. So uh, because of the, it, it, it's essentially like the South African rand, right? The reason it's depreciated so much over uh, the last couple of months is because we've seen significant foreign outflows. Now, South Africa obviously doesn't have the reserves to peg the rand, whereas China does. So, you know, given the war chest that they have, they've been selling dollars into the market to try and peg their currency, um, you know, and, 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 and the reason for that is because a pegged currency, uh, you know, sort of uh, keeps inflation more predictable, number one, and creates a certain level of investor confidence number two, you know, once you've got a peg currency. So, uh, China continuing along that path, um, you know, although their foreign reserves have taken quite a significant hit, um, you know, and they're going to have to sort of get economic growth going again. The transition over to consumption-led economic growth is going to have to come through before foreign investors uh, continue to, uh, you know, exit the Chinese market and they have to uh, deplete their reserves even further. And then, of course, uh, the tough task uh, facing Praveen Gordon as he prepares for his budget speech. We have the State of uh, the Nation address this week, and then two weeks later, it is that budget speech. What are you thinking at this point, Nadir? Yeah, you know, Sakina, I mean, it's the toughest one that there has been in a very long time. Um, you know, Praveen Gordon's first uh, uh, speech as finance minister during his second term. Um, you know, and he's faced with this really difficult task of, you know, trying to convince the economy that higher taxes are needed and that government is running a really tight ship. Um, you know, and that's a really, really difficult task at the moment because the bottom line is that the budget deficit is going to really battle to come in um, at, the, at the targeted level of 3% of GDP, um, you know, if taxes are not increased at some rate because, the, um, you know, the economy is growing so slowly that uh, tax revenues are, 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 are poised to come in below projections of last year's budget and 20 and 2014's budget. Um, you know, so the bottom line is that the revenue has to be found somewhere. And with uh, business confidence at uh, in excess of a 20-year low, uh, manufacturing PMIs below 50, indicating that the manufacturing sector is contracting. And uh, from the World Bank to the IMF to the South African Reserve Bank, slashing our growth forecast all below 1% for this year. Um, you know, the economy is in a really difficult space. And uh, Praveen Gordon is going to have to convince corporate South Africa and going to have to convince individuals 
individuals in South Africa that, you know, government is really uh, clamping down on wasteful expenditure and that uh, higher taxes are necessary to stave off a ratings downgrade because if a ratings downgrade does come through, uh, we're going to see the yields on our bonds kick up quite vociferously and, uh, you know, it's going to become a whole lot more expensive for us to raise debt from the international markets and a bigger and bigger portion of the budget is going to go towards interest payments. So the bottom line here, Sakina, is that Praveen Gordon has got to try and make the ease of doing business, or has got to improve the ease of doing business. Um, we know that DTI is on an aggressive plan, uh, you know, to grow small and medium-sized enterprises and uh, reduce the red tape around starting a business. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will, uh, uh, you, you, know, you know, show up confidence and hopefully that will, you know, improve sentiment uh, within the business community. And uh, Praveen Gordon will be able to push through some of those tax increases because we undoubtedly uh, need them if we're going to balance the books and prevent a ratings downgrade. Well, Nadir, that's where we're going to leave it for today. Speak to you again tomorrow morning. And Nadir Token, analyst at 274 Investment Managers. There's nothing we love sharing more than knowledge. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader.